Good morning. It's Pastor Randy over here at uh, <clears throat> Made Free Church. How you guys doing this morning? I hope you guys are having an amazing morning. I know I am. Um, you know, it's always good to wake up morning and have that quiet time with your king. You know what I mean? And uh, in prayer and, and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, there's just, there's there's so much to this. You know what I mean? Well, good morning, Amanda. How are you? And, uh, you know, so uh, anyway, so uh, uh, before we even get started, I just want to make an announcement. Um, You know, if you guys need prayer, we uh, Made Free Church is a praying church. And uh, if you go to madefreechurch.org, you can see uh, there's a a prayer request tab. You can leave your prayer request in. We have an intercessory prayer team that prays over your request every day. And um, so that's a good thing. Also, if you guys want us, if you guys live in the United States, you guys want us to call you and pray with you, we're able to do that as well. Just leave your phone number in the box and we can actually, we'll actually call you and pray with you, um, you know, and for you, you know. So it's a good thing about Made Free Church is we believe that prayer is essential. All right. So uh, let's get into prayer and let's get into this study. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. You're such an amazing dad. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. Lord, get me out of the way and just minister your word to the people that are watching, going to watch it later. Lord, we love you, God. Thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get into our study. Uh, why don't you open up uh, your, your word to Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 13. And it says this. It says, and it came to pass uh, to the it came, and it came to pass in the days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized, uh, uh, baptized of John in the uh, in the Jordan. Straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open up and the Spirit, uh, like a dove, descending on him. And there was there came a voice from heaven saying. Uh, thou art my my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted of Satan or by Satan. Um, and was uh, with wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Um, what a great scripture. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we need to look in those scriptures and stuff like that. So... Um, but let's break it down. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, uh, you know, a three, a three-year-old entered the kitchen when his mother was busy elsewhere. She told him not to get into the cookies, but in her absence, he pulled up a chair right next to the counter, climbed up and climbed up on it. <coughs> then he took the lid off the cookie jar and had gotten a cookie and put it in his mouth as his mother entered the room. And demanded to know what he was doing. The three all looked uh, at at her with these big innocent eyes and said, "I just climbed up here to smell the cookies, and my tooth got caught on one of them." So we laugh at that. The little boys struggle with temptation, but temptation is a serious matter. You know, today we're going to be talking about the temptation of Christ, the moment, the monumental spiritual battle in history. Uh, you'll remember in Mark's gospel is the shortest and the most direct of all gospels. And this is start, this is startlingly evident in the temptation of Jesus. You know, Matthew tells us much expanded version of the story 
you know, spanning 11, 11 verses, but Luke tells it in nine verses. The economy of words uh, in Mark is true to form for him. He tells, uh, he tells it in only two verses, in verses uh, 12 and 13. But Mark's purpose and audience were different than Matthew's and Luke's, right? Mark is more about getting quickly to the larger point than Matthew and Luke. And yet Mark manages to tell us some details that are not found in the other two Gospels. See, Mark and Luke concentrate more on three particular temptations and serve as a template um, on how we, you too, can come over, uh, to overcome temptation by using God's words against Satan. Mark forgoes the practical application and sticks with the main thrust of the gospel, which is to prove that Jesus is the Son of God who has the authority over sickness, the elements, life, and death, death itself. So most of all, Satan and his demonic, his demonic forces. As we, as we work through verses uh, 12 and 13, virtually every phrase is charged with significance. So let, 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 let's examine them. First, notice the word immediately. Now, this is one word, one of my favorite, well, Mark's favorite words. Um, of the 79 times it, it is found in the New Testament, 42 of them are in Mark alone. Mark uses the word in verse 2 to help us see the, the immediacy for Jesus accomplished the task given to him by God the Father. He comes, he comes up out of the water, hears the voice of the Father's expressing his approval uh, of the Son and the Spirit descending him upon like a dove. You know, on paper it sounds pretty mundane. But to Jesus, to Jesus that day, it was, an, it was amazing. It must have been emotionally exhilarating. And immediately... Jesus was whisked away by the Spirit to face the power of Satan for over a 40-day period. Jesus doesn't get to bask in the joy of that mighty approval and the anointing of his baptism experience, but immediately he is propelled into the wilderness to take, a, 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 to take the offensive against temptation and evil and instead of avoiding them. Now notice the word drove in verse 12. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. See, Matthew says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Mark uses a different word, drove. Uh, drove is a, a Greek word called akabalo, which literally means to expel, to drive, to cast, to send out. Mark used, uh, used it 11 times in his gospel to describe uh, casting out of demons. Certainly, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, as Matthew expresses, but Mark expresses the intimate, the immediacy. The very first thing the Spirit of God does after Jesus' baptism and anointing him is thrust him into the battle with, uh, with the devil. Jesus is impelled forth unto a colossal clash with Satan that lays the groundwork for his future ministry and work on Calvary. Uh, the Bible knowledge, uh, uh, Bible knowledge contemporary says um, that the Mark's gospel is the record of this great encounter which climaxed at the cross. At the onset, Jesus established his personal authority over Satan. Later, uh, his later exorcism of demons were based on his victory in this encounter. Now next, 
Now next, let's uh, uh, let's notice that he was thrusted into the wilderness for 40 days. Okay, The wilderness had a special significance to Jews. The Old Testament, the wilderness was a place of testing for 40 years because of their unbelief. God led them to wander in the wilderness for a generation. But it's also a place where Israel experienced intimate fellowship with God. Yes, they were solely uh, tested in the wilderness, but yet God, it was there that God tabernacled with Israel. It was there that God led them by a cloud day and night, day, by day and fire by night. It was there that they experienced God's daily uh, miraculous provision for their food. And it was there that they received the law of God. The wilderness is also a place of spiritual preparation and training for service. Elijah and John, the baptizer, were spiritually prepared in the wilderness. After Paul believed in Christ, God led him uh, to spend three years in the desert to receive training to understand the gospel and his parts in spreading it. So the wilderness is a place of testing, intimate relationship, and preparation for active ministry. In his baptism, Jesus is approved and anointed for service. And in his temptation experience, Jesus is activated for the service through testing. Um, although all three are subnoctic writers, which means Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, tells us that Jesus uh, was in the wilderness for 40 days. But Matthew and Luke added that Jesus fasted during the entire time. Although through fasting, he would have experienced intense fellowship with God. The length of the fast would have increased the intensity of temptations. And, and, and it, it is as, you know, if the Son of God was exposing himself to the extremes of human temptation to accomplish a cataclysmic victory over Satan and his forces. Next, in verse 13, we notice the phrase, tempted by Satan. The word tempted is piriazo, which means to put to the test, right? Make, make trial in order to discover the kind of person someone is. It is either in a good sense, as God tested us through trials to refine us, or it's in a bad sense that the enticement of, uh, to sin by Satan or his demons or his own fleshly desires. Both senses implied here is this. God put Jesus to the test. Remember, the Spirit drove him to it to show he was qualified for his messianic mission. But also, through temptation of sin, Satan tried to draw Jesus away from his divinely appointed mission. Right? Right. Matthew and Luke emphasize three climatic temptations of Christ. Mark uses a Greek form of the verb being that implies that the temptation was continuous. John Phillips says, Matthew records the intense climax. Mark the daily battle. While Jesus was strengthening his relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit and increasing in his understanding of his mission and purpose, Satan was constantly tempting him, constantly engaging him in spiritual battle. Just because Jesus was the Son of God and just because he experienced the heightened fellowship with the Father in the wilderness, this was no cakewalk for Jesus, right? This, this was a spiritual warfare at its highest. And Jesus actually was, Jesus was actually tempted, 
bearing witness to his true human, human, uh, humanity. His adversary, Satan, his adversary is Satan himself. According to the Old Testament, Satan means accuser. It is the, the head of a vast army of fallen angels called demons. And one third of the heavenly hosts who rebelled against God, God's authority sometime before creation. And it's likely that you and I are ever personally tempted by Satan. He relies on his demonic minions to tempt and to trip us up. Uh, trip us up. But it was Satan himself, the personification of evil, the head of the world's most uh, world system of wickedness and and archimede and, and archimede of God, who was the tempter of the Son of God, he must be used. He, he must use every strategy as possible against Jesus, man. I mean, I can just see that, right? He must have tried every trap that has been so successful against mortals like you and me. The story of the temptation of Christ is a drama of a monumental battle of the ages that we cannot even comprehend. Yet he won in the end. Not to note, not not once did he succumb to the temptation and give in to sin. In Hebrews 14, 15 says, says this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Somehow in those 40 days in the wilderness, and I'm sure many more times in his ministry, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. Yet he never gave in. He never sinned. He was tempted yet without sin. In Hebrews 4.15 reminds us, because of, Jesus, because of Jesus was tempted in every way, we are tempted. He sympathized with our weakness and failures. He knows that what we go through. He understands. He is sympathetic to our struggle, which is why he is so quick to forgive us again and again when we confess our sins to him. Next, Mark tells us that Jesus was with the wild beasts. This is a detail not mentioned in the other Gospels. The wilderness was a place of, you know, where the leopards, where lions, the bear, the wild boar, the jackals, the serpents, and the scorpions were. The Spirit could not have chosen a more inhospitable place for the Son of God to be tempted. William Barclay uh, says that, um, says that this phrase was meant to be a vivid detail to add to the grim terror of the scene. But I saw something else. Paul refers to Jesus as the last Adam in, in 1 Corinthians 15.45 to cr contrast Jesus with Adam. The first Adam lived in the most beautiful, hospitable place on earth, the Garden of Eden, where fruit and vegetables lushly grew naturally and without sweat or toil. The animals were tame and where life was safe and easy. In the most wonderful environment, when Adam was tempted one single time, he gave in and brought sin upon the whole world. Jesus, second, Jesus the second Adam went into the most dangerous environment where the soil was cursed, where there was no substance. There were animals were fierce and ravenous and where life was harsh and difficult. 
in the barren in, in, in that barren place when he was tempted many times over the course of 40 days Jesus resisted the temptation every single time and never sinned once that seems to be the most logical reason Mark is including this little detail because the victory over the over the curse of sin and the and, and the coming creation of a new heaven and new earth speak of the restoration of the original plan that God got that God had for creation several Old Testament prophecies of the kingdom uh, speak of children putting their hands into serpent holes with no danger of even getting bitten or poisoned they speak of a lion laying down with a lamb we focus on our personal salvation from sin but the bigger story of redemption through Christ is the restoration of the entire universe to the way it was before sin entered the world. Sinless, safe, secure, whole, healthy, void of disease and war and famine and danger and pain and death. Verse 13 ends telling us that the angels ministered to Jesus. This is another detail. Not that, that 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 not in the other gospels. And Mark makes a startling contrast. Jesus was with the wild beasts and the angels. Again, the ver the the verb was is in a in a tense in the Greek that indicates continuous action. During this entire ordeal, while Jesus was experiencing increasing bodily weakness from fasting for so long, and while he was facing intensifying satanic attack and while he was increasingly in danger of wild animals and the elements because he was so because of his weakened condition the angels were there to minister to his spiritual needs see the great fallen angel satan was there in full force but so were god's angels and though it it's not mentioned god the father and god the holy spirit we're there to strengthen Jesus also. This is the biggest onslaught of Satan Jesus would face except for his death on Calvary. But it was also the start of the great victories of Jesus' life and ministry. After he overcomes sin in the wilderness and temptation, he is immediately a power he immediately it immediately empowered Jesus to begin to cast out demons, heal the sick, exercise authority over the winds and seas and forgive sins and even raise the dead. It all started with a great baptism experience with God, voice booming from heaven of his approval of Jesus, the spirits anointing Jesus and his immediate period of horrific, horrific temptation, depravity, university followed by his great victory over Satan, a bad omen of what was ahead for the great accuser. What can we take away from Mark's brief telling of the temptation of Christ? First, remember that often great victories in our lives are precursors to the great times of testing. The two most awesome experiences of Jesus in his whole ministry were his baptism and the transfiguration. Both came just before two most trying trials, his temptation and his crucifixion. You know, thank God for every victory in your life, but when they come, 
Don't let your guard down. Stay in the military readiness, so to speak. Be ready for the battle at any moment. Uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says, be sober-minded, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks <clears throat> like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing the, that, that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Second, recognize that God wants us to use testing to make us stronger. The same word testing as uh, in trials is used of temptation in the Greek. You have to see the word in context to know which way the word is meant. But the result of overcoming either the sense, uh, sense of the world has the same result. It makes us stronger. God allows us to experience trials to make us stronger. And when we resist temptation, it also serves to strengthen us next time when we're tempted. Right, just checking streams, guys. Suppose a boy was on a football team. And suppose he was doing well um, and showing real great signs of promise. You know, it shows uh, that, you know, if he shows real signs of promise, he doesn't send him to play against a weaker team that he could just, you know, walk through the game with without ever breaking his neck. No, they send him, they send him out to play against a tougher team where he'll be tested and he's n like he's never been before and he has a chance to prove himself. That is what trials in our lives are meant to do. And able to prove ourselves and to emerge stronger for the next fight. Victory over temptation similarly makes us, you know, it makes us stronger. God never leads believers into temptation, but we resist temptation when the enemy attacks. We make ourselves stronger against the enemy and our flesh. In Romans 6.11, Paul tells us, Consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In verse 12, he teaches us not to let sin reign in our bodies so that uh, we may obey it, that, that, so that we obey its desires. He continues in verse 13, he says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those who are alive dead, uh, from the dead, and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. Our members are our hands, our feet, our eyes, our sexual organs, and most importantly, our minds. The parts of us that actually do the sinning. We must not yield to those members over sin, but to God. That's the struggle of temptation. But here's something you may have missed in Romans 6 that I have learned from a book uh, from Jerry Bridges, The Practice of Godliness. If we, if we persist resisting temptation, something remarkable happens. Paul says down further in verse 19, For as you have yielded your members slaves to impurity and to iniquity unto iniquity, even now yield your members slaves to righteousness unto holiness. Bridges says that we uh, repeatedly yield our members as slaves to impurity. Its result is iniquity unto iniquity, which says, uh, which he says is an idiom meaning of habits of iniquity. 
rather than doing rather than doing that Paul says that we are to yield members uh, our members as slaves to righteousness unto holiness which means habits of holiness right um, in other words repeating yielding our members to sin results to habits of sin repeating the yielding our uh, yielding to righteousness yields habits of holiness with every victory over temptation we are a little bit stronger than before to handle that temptation the next time. But there's an added benefit. Over time, repeated victory holiness becomes a habit. And third, when facing temptation, you have the greatest resource to call upon to be victorious. Just as Jesus was ministered by the holy angels as he endured temptation, holy angels were there to minister to us as well. But even more exciting is that if you truly if you are truly born again the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you and he is in you to help you overcome that temptation when facing temptation they're trying to handle it yourself you're no match for the enemy by only calling out to God in prayer for help <clears throat> seeking God's existence his word right uh, which is alive and powerful and is a powerful spiritual two-edged sword listening to the holy spirit's guidance can we successfully resist temptation it begins by preparing your heart daily with a time in god's word and in prayer and worshiping god kind of like uh putting on your armor in the morning before you leave home it continues during the day by obeying the spirit's leading and quickly confessing sin it is and it's, it strengthens by faith, right? By faithfulness, you know, you know, you know, in, 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 in morning worship services and participation in home groups and sun and, and, and Sunday schools and you know, Bible studies and men's groups and ladies groups and which constantly challenge and strengthen your faith. Finally, because Jesus uh, resisting temptation, it means that Jesus was suitable sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. When making an animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, God said in Leviticus 22, 17 through 24, that the animal had to be without blemish or defect. It could not be blind, bruised, crushed, torn, or cut. It could not have broken bones or be maimed, nor could it have any diseases or even a limb that was no longer was longer or shorter than the other. Verse 21 says, it must be perfect and be accepted. These sacrifice represented the transferring of guilt to the, the, uh, the offer and to the slain animal for the forgiveness of sin but the book of hebrews teaches that these sacrifices did not actually forgive their sins they were just a temporary covering until the lamb of god came to pay the penalty for sins once and for all negating the need to continue with animal sacrifices when john introduced uh jesus to israel he didn't announce behold the king of israel no he said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world john 1 9 129. But the Lamb of God had to be perfect from sin to be an acceptable sacrifice. 
And because Jesus was perfect and free from sin, he could pay the penalty for our sin and satisfy God's judgment against sin. See, in 1 Peter 1.19 says, uh, we are not redeemed by recoverable or temporary things, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish, without spot. If you would, if you would place your faith in Jesus as your Savior, the guilt of your sin can be transferred to Jesus and you'll receive full forgiveness of sin. If you've never done that, I ask you to, to do that today. Not just saying a, a printer, a, a, that, that sinner's prayer, which really doesn't work, right? It's it's a heart transformation. It's, it's saying, God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of you, right? I'm in need of you. I'm not, I, I'm in need of forgiveness. And, and that's what it's about. You know, saying a little sinner's prayer, which is nowhere in the Bible, which they're just words, can't do anything for you. You have to really mean it. You have to understand your need for Jesus, for the atonement of your sin. In other words, you need to you, you need to recognize that you are a sinner, right? That you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You know, we're going to be tempted every day, guys. Every day we're going to be tempted. It's how we respond to the temptation. It's okay, man. Are we going to admit our wrongs? Are we going to admit what we're doing is wrong? Are we going to really reflect into ourselves at night and see that where we've fallen? Or are we just going to stay and say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need Jesus. I can do this myself. Yeah, you could do that too, but yeah, not something I would want to do. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, right? I need a savior. I sin every day. I do stupid crap every day. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, uh, and it's like, you know, I, I sin every day. So, you know, just because I'm a pastor, I'm just like you guys. I sin daily. It's how I respond to that sin and ask for forgiveness and confess my sin and to be healed, right? So, you know, guys, I hope you're really enjoying this. I know I love being here in the mornings with you guys um and stuff so guys you know um glad that you're getting a lot we're gonna spend some really really we're gonna spend a really long time in the book of mark because it's something that um i just love the book of mark it's one of my favorite gospels the book of mark you know what i mean but uh uh just a couple announcements let's just end in prayer heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you for this time we love you god we worship you we praise you we just ask that you go before us today, Lord. We ask that you put that hedge of protection around us, God, and we can move forward. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, a couple announcements before we get started. Guys, if you'd like to um, support Made Free Church, uh, please go to madefreechurch.org. There's a giving tab. There's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app, you can give through our PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order through the address that's provided. And uh, guys, please pray for the men here at Olive Branch Men's Home. They need your prayers. Pray for, for the, the pastors here and pray for Irene. We really, guys, need your prayer. Um, and really pray for, for, for Pastor Happy's family and stuff like that. They're going through something uh, that is, is, you know, for Irene's dad. And just pray for Irene's dad and, and stuff like that because really going through some heavy stuff right now. And, and, and please pray for the guys here. You know, please pray for the guys here. They need it. 
Uh, please pray for Made Free Church Uganda, guys. Um, I talked to Pastor uh, Henry uh, yesterday, and they're going through so much in Uganda right now, man. Just keep your prayers in that. You know what I mean? Um, if you guys like to check out my own personal website, you guys can. It's at reformpastor.me um, and stuff like that. So, guys, thank you for watching. You know, God bless you guys. I, I hope this this stuff really, 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 you know, I, I you know, really a blessing you because I know it blesses me being here with you guys every morning. God bless you. You guys have a great, great day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace. Love you guys.